welcome to another episode of Sweet Valley Online. This week we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins number 43, Elizabeth's First Kiss. I'm Raven and I'm in love. I'm here with my not-so-evil twins, Dove and Wing. I'm Dove and Raven was not my first kiss. I'm Wing and I don't believe in love. In Elizabeth's First Kiss, the sixth grade of Sweet Valley Middle School has gone crazy for love. Jessica has a major crush on a certain Todd Wilkins, who's likes totes of fitty. They danced at Aaron's party, and now everyone is talking about the supposed happy couple. The unicorns, awash with their own hormonal spaffage, each quest for a romance of their very own. Love, like Mr Nydick's penis, is on the rise and rampant. The problem is, predictably, Elizabeth. She too is knuckle-deep in the flan of love, but shock horror, she's going squirrely for Todd Wilkins too. All the while, Jess badges her twin without success, questing for the identity of the preteen landscaper that Liz dreams will tend her lady garden. How can Elizabeth admit she fancies the boy that Jessica's claiming as her own? Elizabeth asks for Jessica's help in the boy arena, and Jess steps up to the plate in style with a full-on twinny makeover. Elizabeth gets a perm, slaps on the makeup and dons a frilly dress in a misguided attempt to woo the Todd of her dreams. But all seems lost when they meet up at the lockers and chat baffling cabbage water at each other before awkwardly slinking off to masturbate. The unicorns then pull a prank on Elizabeth, spreading the rumour that her change of appearance is down to the fact that Liz is desperately seeking cock. The sixth grade boys rally to this clarion call and slap their metaphorical testicles on the table, much to Elizabeth's dismay. If it ain't Todd Balls, they ain't cutting it. Things come to a head in a cataclysmic orgy of double, triple and quadruple dating at the freshly minted Sweet Valley Bolarama, where the plot conveniently dovetails to oblivion. Amy bonds with Ken, Jessica hooks up with Aaron Dallas, and Elizabeth finally gets together with Todd Wilkins. And it's Todd Wilkins that delivers Elizabeth's titular first kiss. A rather chaste and uninspiring peck on the cheek. Meanwhile, Jessica is probably getting fingered behind a bin behind the Bolarama. Identical, but worlds apart, as we know. All this, and Stephen has two girlfriends, neither of which are relations. Good work, Stephen. Elizabeth's first kiss. Approved. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) You know we're all caught up on the fact that Jessica's behind the bins. (laughs) Of course, yes. Ah, well, so what do people think of this one? Actually... It was kind of sweet. It was. It was very sweet. Also, I love Jessica's approach when Elizabeth is like, oh, my hair's so boring. No boy will ever like me. And Jessica's, you know what you need? To be me. Yeah. I'm going to do my hair, your (laughs) hair just like me, your face just like me, your clothes just like me. For once, I'm not taking the shoes off of your feet. You can take them off of mine because I am the alpha twin. That's fair. That's fair. And Elizabeth, to be fair, as always, hands over her spine and goes, you're right, I'm a piece of shit. Make me into you. So, yeah, I just love Jessica for for not even considering any other option. It's just like, yeah, my twin's shit. She'd, she'd be better if she was me. But I think Jessica's absolutely spectacular in this book. But I also think Elizabeth is pretty cool for for the reason that she's obviously out of her depth and she's not the usual Elizabeth that we have who sort of knows everything and is doing the right thing all the time. And she's really, really floundering. And she's gone to the one person who she believes can give her the advice that she needs. And it's it's Jessica. And if you're in the state where you're asking Jessica for advice, you're obviously <laughs> fucked. Yeah, I have to say this, this Elizabeth was quite refreshing and one of the few times where I don't hate Elizabeth. There's about four books where I don't hate Elizabeth, and this is, grudgingly, one of them. I suppose one of the things we should really talk about is Todd Wilkins, because apparently he's quite a big deal in this fandom. Right? Yeah, we we do actually have a user called Mr. Todd Wilkins who comments. So oh, is he totes a fitty? Well, I, I've never met him, but I, I suspect so. I suspect so. Well, you, he's got he's got clown shoes to fill there, hasn't he? You're blimey. Well, he's got a lovely turn of phrase. So if he's as handsome as his grammar is good, he's outstanding. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about Todd Wilkins, because I know nothing about him. Well, Wing, what do you think? 
as I made very clear last time, literally the only thing I knew was that he was meant to be with Elizabeth. So I was really fucking shocked when he danced with Jessica. And then this book said everything to write. So he appears in Sweet Valley High, yes? He does, yes. Um, I'm sorry, listeners, if you know all this, but I don't because I'm new to the series. Um, Elizabeth has, a, I would say, two major boyfriends and then about a billion minor boyfriends but todd is the major major boyfriend ah, todd is end game don't no don't answer no, that no, 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 i don't okay. want spoilers that that's yeah i was just, that's what that face was it was like how can i answer that when i know wing will strangle me if i utter spoilers when i say todd is end game uh, todd and elizabeth are ross and rachel is that, that fair? I would, yeah he's the alpha of her boyfriends <laughs> yeah that's that's a perfect description because i hate ross and i hate rachel <laughs> i quite like ross when when ross grows a spine i think he's great todd no uh, spoilers yes <laughs> Sorry. Todd never grows a spine. is that what you're about to say yeah well no actually and then i rethought it and thought of all the people he's punched and i thought actually wing might like that <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say of the two of them i imagine he grew a spine sooner than elizabeth grew a spine <laughs> so... yeah, probably still waiting for elizabeth's spine to I mean, kick I in i don't know but uh, i mean i'm current as of this book and that's it so well i'm really hoping that we find out in a later book that it was Todd that punched Stephen at the hangout because <gasps> yes. that'd be great. <laughs> to be honest, I reckon there was a whole queue of people just at the hangout. That was like that was how they got them at the hangout. It was like come in for free and punch. Uh, no, come in for ten dollars and punch Stephen Wakefield. Nice, but he just went out on the first one. But so you were <laughs> at the head of that queue, huh? <laughs> I was. <laughs> Now, the thing with Todd Wilkins, I thought Todd Wilkins was quite cute in this book because he was obviously, he obviously fancied Elizabeth and everything he said and everything he did, riding past the house and seeing, whenever he was talking to Jessica, I thought it was very well crafted by um, the, the Jamie Suzanne. It was very, very clear that Jessica was misinterpreting what he was saying and was attributing his keenness to her when it was obvious to uh, it was obvious that it was for, to Elizabeth so I did find that quite cute and also it's it it was nice that at the end of it he said that he he kept trying to talk to her but it being Jessica but because Elizabeth had this makeover to look like Jessica he hadn't been able to tell them apart whereas he had previously yeah and that's why he kept talking to Jessica about Elizabeth rather than just being wimp like does your sister fancy me? Yeah, I mean, uh, fair enough. That's cool. But come on, Todd, get with the fucking program. One of them's got earrings now. Look that's at the one with earrings and go, right, that's point. it. Move on. And the other one's taking a survey on, have you started yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's It'd be true. very yes. easy to tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, one of them is there with a clipboard and a bunch of girls looking pissed off and sheepish at the same time. And one boy looking very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I agree that it was, that conversation was handled really nicely in that we could tell as the readers that he is not really liking Jessica the way she thinks he is. And I thought it was actually handled a lot better here than in the last book we saw it in, which was the, the twins get caught, right? Because they go to that Air Dallas party. Where, like, I kept expecting it to be that Jessica is just misinterpreting all of this and in reality he likes Elizabeth. And it sort of looked like that, but it did not come across that way completely. So I, I liked this a lot better than that. I will say, I think the quality of the writing in this book, and I'm not just trying to suck up to Grapplegate. Um, I'll leave that to Dove, obviously. Um, but um, I, 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 I thought the Do quality of the writing... me? <laughs> I, I think the quality of the writing in this book was very, very impressive, to be honest, because... One of the things I've mentioned a few times in the books in this series is I enjoy it when the the kids come across as kids, and they did very much so in this, in the talk about getting boyfriends and not really understanding what a boyfriend was and how to get a date and not really understanding how that worked. And it was all very innocent and very funny and very believable. So thumbs up there. Very, very good. I like all of the things that Raven just said, and I think this is because I'm English and I went to an all-girls school, so the whole concept of having a boyfriend was like, 
a kind of alien thing because we didn't see them that often. So when we got older and people were like spending all their time with their boyfriends, it was really weird because for years they'd had boyfriends, which just meant every second Saturday when they had enough pocket money, they'd meet outside McDonald's and possibly sheepishly hold hands and maybe have a snog if they could get away from the rest of the group. That they'd brought along just in case it was all a joke and they weren't really boyfriend and girlfriend, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was all very shit being English and going to an, a, like a same-sex school. And Raven's probably nodding along. Yes, I am. I'm the same from the other side. Obviously, I went to an all-boys school, which was next door to an all-girls school. And actually connected by a number of things, including a fence. So there was lots of people stood either side of a fence, like some hideous prisoner of war drama, sort of trying to <laughs> trying to hold hands through through the chain links until the teachers came along and went, "Stop that! Move along!" So yes, <laughs> yes, it was all very uh, all very English. Uh, so yes, this 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 did ring true. I also liked, uh, as an addition to that, as an addition to that, the fact that we got a lot of Jessica's point of view, and the, Jessica, the way she was written and the way her thought processes were realised on the page, was also very, very impressive. When she was thinking, again, she was. It was clear in her mind, and obviously, it's into in the mind of the readers because of that. That while she did fancy Todd and have a crush on Todd, she knew deep down that she really enjoyed the fact that she she enjoyed the fact of ha she'd be the first person to have a boyfriend in this little world more than than she actually wanted to be with Todd and that was that was really nice that was very knowing of Jessica and of the writer writers yes and also one thing I really like on this reread, because obviously we picked everything about all preceding books to pieces, was a nice tiny bit of foreshadowing back in uh, book 19, The Bully, where Aaron Dallas is the one who masterminds the whole sleeping out in a cave to teach Dennis Cookman a lesson. At the time, when Jessica realises that Aaron is the mastermind of that, she sort of slightly gets a crush on him or shows an interest in him and Elizabeth immediately shuts it down going he's got too much on his mind to, to deal with some <laughs> silly girl but then we get to here and we find out that Aaron's actually always had a crush on her so fuck off Elizabeth you could have saved yourself a lot of heartache actually if you'd have just got out of the way 30 books ago and he's kind of a mastermind here too because he's definitely the one that turns this awkward as hell bowling situation into something that looks more like a date with him and his friends and Jessica and her friends, which I thought was really deftly handled considering how all the other guys that actually invited people just kind of fucked off to bowl. <laughs> that is true. I mean, the whole thing about the bowling, it did come across as sort of like a, a preteen school disco mm. where boys on one side, girls on the other, not none of them shall meet or talk. And then oh, we, we will bowl, and at the end of the night you'll say, yes, that was fun, thank you for the date, goodbye, and walk out. So that was nice. But the whole thing with Jessica, you're saying there, the whole thing with Aaron being a mastermind and the nice foreshadowing, I don't buy that. Jessica's fancied every not. single person. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's like the scattergun approach. That's like watching a whodunit and saying, it was that guy, you know, it was that woman, it was that guy, it was the plant over there, because eventually by the time you get to the end, it's like, I said it was that person amongst all the others. Raven does that every do. single movie we I watch. Do. And I start off every horror movie by going, she's not real, she's dead, she's a ghost. <laughs> Until sooner or later, I get to the right person who is dead and not real and not a or is a ghost or something. So, yeah, okay, I know it's not foreshadowing, but in the entire universe, it does marry up. I mean, it's just Jessica being Jessica back in book 19. Like, oh, a boy's doing a thing and he's not entirely ugly to look at. I, I could be interested in that. I do like that's such a prime example of Jessica. She really does at this stage at least choose who she's going to be interested in. Oh, he's kind of cute and he does this thing that I enjoy or whatever. I'm going to like him. And I just that's so perfectly Jessica. But it's also, I think, super realistic for people their age. Yes, sometimes they know love or whatever. But a lot of times it's just very awkward and 
the flirtation's awkward and, oh, this guy's cute, and the next day it's, oh, this guy's cute or whatever. So I loved that about her and about this book. It was adorable and so realistic. And so I think true to the characters and to how preteens act to each other a lot of yeah, the time. Definitely. Yeah, well, uh, going back to what Raven was saying about it being like a school disco, that is one thing I love about this series is how often the girls beautiful pink-hearted dreams like with little candles and romantic gestures just get shattered without fail almost every single opportunity like the unicorns will be organizing a party going oh it's a boy girl party it's so exciting they'll be kissing and holding hands and i'll have a boyfriend and then you get to the actual party and the boys are all throwing all of the furniture into the swimming pool because it struck them as funny and all the girls are in the den sitting there going this is shit it's just joyful that it's it's that crap because obviously lots of YA for just a little bit older than this shows a lot more maturity and you know there are heartbreaking books or at least fan fictions where kids of this age or not much older are like hooking up in the back rooms of parties and I kind of like this charming innocence where everything's so pure and non-controversial just as a you know, just as a counterpoint to that, like, I, I wouldn't believe it if all books were like this. But in this universe, it's really sort of like charming and funny. Holding hands and going for an ice cream at Casey's place. It's nice. Exactly. It is nice. And also, I think I've just got gone a bit non-shippy in my old age, because, I mean, you guys will remember, like, when I was young in fandom, especially Wing, who I was in my first fandom with. There you go. That's lovely, isn't it? And it was all very shippy and romantic. Like Wing would do these great big plotty apocalyptical fix. And I'd do five chapters of people holding hands and falling in love and getting together and living happily ever after. And, you know, it would always be shippy and there'd always be at least three ships going on. And in my old age, I'm just kind of like, I'm here for the plot. I'm sorry. I'm bored. I'm, <laughs> I'm so boring. But so I kind of like this lack of sexuality in in this. To be fair, we can always add it. And we do add it. This is where we keep getting flagged. Don't let that fool you, though. Her uh, sweet little romantic fun stuff were fantastic stories, too. And I've always felt like I broke her because after we started being friends and writing together, suddenly she was killing people and writing horror and all sorts of stuff. And I made her just no longer be that fun, lighthearted dove. Can you clarify killing fictional people? Oh, right, right. Like, <laughs> can you just... <laughs> In SA, she was killing fictional people. <laughs> also, we're on lists because of looking at things like, what does it look like when someone burns alive? Just, just so you know. <laughs> anyway, back to the innocence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys, this book was so great. I don't have anything to say about it because it was so much fun. I really was thrilled throughout it. I just sat there like, beaming which was kind of embarrassing because i read it at work so i'm just like ah, this is the most adorable thing i don't think i've ever seen wing beam <laughs> <laughs> going back to the actual innocence of it um i i really enjoyed the way that um the the unicorns especially and especially jessica were trying to one-up each other with the um things that their supposed paramours were doing <clears throat> in order to catch their eye and be at attention be, you know, catch their attention. I think was it whoever that Lila was after. Um, Jake Hamilton. Jack, that's Is it. it. A, Jake. Yeah. Jake passed a note, or, or a note was passed, oh, which just said the word genius. yes. Just said the word yes, and the, and everyone's like, oh, sort of cooing over the note, going, that's amazing. And the note was in response to the question, oh, will you be at basketball? Or will you be at basketball practice? And yeah. like, oh, fantastic. that must mean that he wants to come and. He wants you to come and see him. That that must mean he wants you to come and see him, watch him practice. And uh, Jessica was like, "Well, I don't." And her internal monologue was like, "Well, I, I don't think that it's a particularly good note, but I'm not going to say anything to Lyle. I don't want to burst that bubble." <laughs> and I love that Jessica was so careful about that because that comes up a couple times where she's like, "That doesn't mean what they think it means," but I'm not going to ruin it for them, which was both kind of shocking, but also 
wonderful because it was such a great tie to them actually being friends. And even though they're all trying to one-up each other, they're not competing over the same boys. They're not really competing with each other. It's just kind of this who could be the most adult who could have a boyfriend in just really fun, cute ways. One of my favorite lines was regarding this, which was early on in the book. I think it was when Ellen phoned um, and Jessica was um, saying that that she'd seen Todd Wilkins ride past the house on the bicycle. And then Ellen moved on to say, well, I've did I tell you about the, the whoever, who's the boy that Ellen fancied? Rick Hunter. That's it, Rick. Ellen was saying, oh, well, Rick shared a candy bar with me. And then I think Jessica was like, oh, that's great. And the line was something like, yeah, it, Jessica realised that giving somebody a candy bar was better than riding by on a bicycle. (laughs) 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 It's just amazing. You could tell that the writer was having a lot of fun. Yes, this book just totally shows that. I I guess I better warn you for the mood whiplash you're going to experience when you read Gone by the same writer. (laughs) Well, I've just started reading Gone. I'm on chapter four, so early days, um, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, so we shall see. We shall see. Yes. Sorry, Wing. That's okay. Uh, I was just say the other thing I really liked about this were the sibling relationships, including Stephen to his sisters, which blew my mind. But there's this whole thing, as uh, Raven had mentioned earlier, that Jessica helps Elizabeth with a makeover when Elizabeth's feeling like she can't really be attracted to boys or no one's noticing her. Uh, which, you know, does basically turn her into Jessica and also then goes terribly wrong because of Lila. But it's a sweet moment between them where they're trying to bond over this thing that they've not had in common for a while now and they've both felt that distance and then they have this suddenly Elizabeth likes boys. Oh my God. And they could talk about it at least a little bit. What I love is that Stephen has these two girls that he's dating and they don't know about each other. And he likes one a ton more than the other. And he's so confused about what to do. And he asks Elizabeth for advice. And this could have been another bit of, oh my God, St. Elizabeth solves everything. But that's not how it came across to me. What comes across is they have this conversation that is a decent sibling conversation about what she would do in that situation. And from a girl's perspective, how much it would hurt to be let on and how angry she'd be if she was the girlfriend he liked best and just, and he didn't tell her about the other one. It's just really decent advice, but in a way that didn't seem condescending, at least in part because we've seen how uncomfortable she is with this whole dating thing anyway. And so I just loved it. And he's nice to her after and she gets to see the fallout from that at the bowling alley because literally everyone shows up at the fucking bowling alley Friday night. Sweet Valley Bowlerama as well. <laughs> <laughs> Location thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was just a ton of fun. And so there were good friendships. They were hilariously awkward dating stuff. They were great sibling relationships. It just really hit all of the emotional stuff nicely out of the park uh, which I definitely attribute to Team Grapple Geeks. I know that they do that kind of stuff very well from other books. Yeah, I will have to yeah. agree with that. I think um, I'll, I'll extend that slightly as well. Uh, that whole scene where um, Stephen is asking advice for Elizabeth and what to do with with his two, his, his, his two the, the, the two women that he's got on the go, shall we say. Just as a bit of um, backstory for people who might not have read the book recently, um, the the two women are what uh, what's not I want to say Jessica no what Lindsay, uh, Lindsay and Candice and Lindsay is um, the one he likes the most who is no nonsense and is by far the best of the two in, in my humble opinion. But I loved Candice because like she had a southern accent and you know that works. Like, there is a reason I worship Mickey Knuckles. And she was so sweet. I can see that Lindsay would be better for the likes of Stephen. I'm very but... sorry, Dev. You're just completely wrong here. Yeah, you're it's wrong definitely here. Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay is the greatest. She's too good for Stephen. Yeah, Lindsay's Hermione. And what's the the, the girl? Um, is it Lavender? Lavender. Lavender. Yeah. One, one. Lavender. Yeah. Because yes. yeah. um, Candice is very calling him Stevie and being, oh, whatever you like. And all, almost going through the Jessica school of how to attract boys when, when Jessica was giving Elizabeth advice. But that, that whole section had a, a, a... It was great, as as Wing has said, um, the, the relationship between Elizabeth and Stephen. But it also really highlighted the, the relationship between Jessica and Stephen as well. 
Elizabeth and Stephen had a nice heart-to-heart and a, a very uh, open, open and frank conversation about what to do, as, as Wingers said. But as Stephen was leaving with this advice and mulling it over, Jessica just comes in and goes, Hi, Stevie, uh, in, in, a, in a voice uh, <laughs> m- mimicking Candice. <clears throat> Did we have fun tonight? And, and Stephen's just like, ugh, and walking out. And so the three of them there were perfect. It, it, it was peak Elizabeth, it was peak Stephen, and it was peak Jessica. So, uh, yeah, it was very well handled, very well handled. That's a really good point. Agreed. Like It is just these great different ways that re- siblings relate to each other, and Jessica, of course, being delightful. The other thing I really loved about this particular section is that Stephen is changing himself for Lindsay. Like Lindsay used to play hockey, which means she's the best and amazing and obviously dumb is wrong. Uh, <laughs> and so they're going to watch this pro hockey game and the twins want to watch a movie. And they're so Steven's trying to intimidate them into giving up the TV and the popcorn. And they just, Jessica, I think pops off that she thought he hated hockey. That's what he said before. So he's having to backpedal really quickly. Then Lindsay says she would rather watch it with her family who love hockey. And if he doesn't actually like it, he doesn't need to come. And this idea of changing yourself for uh, someone you like has backfired so spectacularly. And it did it with the guy changing himself, which is unusual. But also it's this great counterpoint to Jessica's advice to Elizabeth, which is, you know, become interested in his interests or pretend you're interested in his interests or, you know, whatever. Though not as deep as I expected her to go because she flat out says that Elizabeth has a ton of interest. Surely she'll find something in common with a guy. So it was that kind of age-old stereotypical change yourself for a boy but, you know, addressing the idea that there are things you could have in common without changing yourself. And also it blows up in your face, Stephen. Also, I loved Elizabeth's response to that. Um, like when Jessica's like, if you wanted Randy Mason, you should learn about computers. And Elizabeth's like, well, if I don't want to learn about computers. And Jessica's just like, well, I suppose you'll have to find a different boy then. <laughs> you know, it's just like... <laughs> She points out that, well, if you don't like the things he likes or you guys don't have common ground, you won't have anything to talk about, which is such a strange thing from Jessica, who, A, could fill any conversation, but also does not seem to be super worried about talking to the boys that she likes. So I thought that was a fun conversation between them with some nuances to it that were unexpected. Yeah. Also, let's um, talk about Lila starting the rumor that... Elizabeth is on the hunt for a boyfriend because I thought Elizabeth was, yeah, I was team Elizabeth when she confronted them about this. Yeah, because, agreed. Like she really did let them have it. And she was like, you had no right to say that. Like now people are judging me based on a lie that you came up with and boys are showing me attention that I didn't want. And yeah, like she, Elizabeth, I will never say this sentence again unless we're inside Super Chiller. Elizabeth was awesome. She really she was. was. I will say, though, I mean, who came on to it? It was Randy Mason, um, Winston Egbert, and some creep called Colin. She's not She's not exactly getting the sixth grade A game there, is she? There's no Bruce wandering up going, hey there, Elizabeth, I, I hear you're looking for love. <laughs> it's only the nerds. Sixth grade. And also, she <clears throat> probably true, would have true. decked Bruce, which I would have paid money to see. <laughs> I do think that the, the the decision to not have people like Bruce in it, the so-called bad characters, if you like, I think that was a, a very wise one because it, it did lend to the whole innocence feeling, the whole feeling of innocence around yeah. it. If Bruce Patton was in, in there snarking, then it would have detracted. Yeah. And I think the writer knew that, so that's good. That gave all of the start to the unicorns, especially Jessica and Lila. And while I'm definitely team Elizabeth in how she handled that situation with the gossip and uh, the fact that it shouldn't have happened, Lila lashing out like that at Elizabeth still remains perfectly a character for her, uh, especially here where we kind of talked previously about how uh, Raven's reading of all, a lot of this stuff is that she's very lonely and she's desperate to keep this friendship with Jessica and now not only is Jessica looking at boys as an interest that will fill her time which Lila agrees with but she's giving advice to Elizabeth and suddenly their friendship is back up and they're going to end up being talking about boys together doing all that gossip so of course Lila has to lash out and 
about that because her best friend is potentially going to go back to her sister. She'd already, as we saw in one of those, that Christmas ghost book, she'd already shot Lila down when they were younger because she'd rather spend time to Elizabeth. And it could definitely look like they're coming full circle. Well, she will again break up with uh, Lila's friendship to go be with Elizabeth. So it made sense to me that Lila lashed out, but I was so glad that uh, Elizabeth confronted them about that because it was shit. True. True. Yeah, everything about this was just fun. This book. so good. Uh, one thing I would say, well, um, it was a weird bit where Jessica went down to see what Stephen was doing in the in the den, and he was just dancing with with Lindsay. I mean, I didn't have many dates at that age, but is that a thing that people do? Is this an American thing? Because like, you guys are fucking obsessed with dances if Sweet Valley's anything to go by. Like, Wing, have you and Ostris danced yeah, in your teen years? we definitely have danced <laughs> in my living room when we were about their age. Bless. Oh, my gross. God. This is okay. gross. <laughs> okay. okay. I know anecdotal evidence isn't the best, but we'll give that one a pass then. If that's actually happened, that's fine. Like Dove wants to say something here, so I'm gonna let her go. When we all met up in Vegas for the first time to get married, Wing and Ostrich kept taking the piss because Raven and I held hands. Raven and I have never ever danced. Ever. That's very weird. We dance often and Ostrich doesn't actually like to dance, but he will sometimes dance. Because I love to dance. I don't dance i don't i can dance i uh, yeah i can cut a rug i i, I can make shapes yeah, no. I'm good <laughs> i can i just don't how oh, very superior of you i can i just don't <laughs> dancing is for plebs right <laughs> it's very judgmental from the posh one over there you mean you want to move rhythmically <laughs> <laughs> it is truly disgusting the way you two hold hands just constantly they're just so Oh, we're so precious and happy, and oh, it's like Todd and Elizabeth, so adorable. <laughs> Says the girl who is living with her high school sweetheart. Uh, that would be junior high, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that won the argument. Well done. <laughs> so, moving back to the book. <laughs> yes, let's get back to the book. The one thing that did kind of throw me is that Elizabeth's first kiss is a kiss on the cheek, which yeah. was not what I was anticipating. Yeah. But also, this is not her first kiss on the cheek, is it? No, because Olympic Greg kissed her yeah. on the cheek. So this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> not a first kiss. Yeah. It, it did feel like an informed attribute at the end of the book. It was like a peck on the cheek, and then she was like, oh, God, I got Amy, Amy, I had my first kiss. And no, I'm sorry, it... It wasn't. It wasn't actually the first kiss. That's the one thing that did wind me up a little bit. Yeah, because I always remember it as being like just one of those very chaste PG kisses on the lips, like yeah. a quick bump yeah, and yeah. separate. Yeah. Like Jessica's date with um, what's his name, Josh, Josh Angler. Angler. Um, Angler. That her first kiss was in that. Yeah. Not in the book called Jessica's First Kiss, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. So that was a, a kiss on the lips. Right. And that was nice. Yeah. Creepy retrospectively, but... Um, but, it, it, you know, yeah. the way it was framed in the book, it was nice. It yeah. was. And, and so, yeah, I expected the same from Elizabeth. Same. Yeah. And she didn't get that, which is a shame. Paul Liz. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I believe that even Liz would be so gung-ho over a kiss on the cheek from just a classmate. Like, I don't know that she would have necessarily been that carried away with it even if she hadn't had that previous kiss on the cheek like when olympic Greg did it it's because she's got this like hero worship crush going on with him yeah he was adult, a celebrity yeah, exactly. sort of thing well i will say that she did that the, the the her feelings for todd were set out quite clearly to be yes real because yes that's true. jessica was um talking about what um uh when elizabeth asked Jess what she thought of Todd and she was saying oh I feel butterflies in my stomach um I you know blah blah, blah the usual love stuff that you feel uh, and and then you got Jessica's point of view saying she didn't really feel that but she had read that this is what you were supposed to feel so I will so she will claim those those feelings but 
Liz was actually having those feelings. So I can sort of see her saying, thinking, okay, it's a peck on the cheek. It's a kiss on the cheek, but it's from someone who I love, whatever love yeah. is at this age. So I can see her getting a bit excited, but I still feel slightly let down by the fact that it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't expecting bumming. <laughs> you know, um, but a little more than, yeah, a little a peck on the cheek was warranted, I think. I agree. I wanted more for her because we go through this whole book and it's super cute. There's all this awkward flirting. I just wanted her to get a real first kiss. Yeah, yeah. It's not a thimble, Peter Pan. Um, especially since Amy and Ken had their first kiss in book eight. Admittedly, it was off screen. But remember when Elizabeth um, said that at Lila's slumber party when Liz was sucking up to her for the horse? So they've already had a kiss, which I'm assuming wasn't a cheek kiss, because, again, like you, I at that age, I wouldn't have gone running over to my BFF and been like, oh, my God, I had my first kiss, because they'd have gone, no, you didn't. Like, you have to participate in it. It doesn't just happen to you. Right. Yeah, especially if Elizabeth was running to Amy, and she obviously knows that Amy puts it about a bit if she's been kissing right. in book eight. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> I think the, co- the continuity on that isn't clear then, because obviously Amy was very happy for yeah. Elizabeth's first kiss, but also Amy was very nervous about talking to Ken. She was like, oh, you've got to come to the bowling with me, because otherwise, if you don't, uh, who am I gonna t- how am I going to talk to Ken? And I think if they'd had their first kiss... I don't know, actually, because um, throughout the series, uh, Ken's kind of a complete doofus with regard to romance. He's very sort of like, push me, pull you. He's kind of like Edward in Twilight, except for he's actually young enough to pull that shit off. (laughs) You know, he's constantly sort of like, Amy, hi, let's be best friends. Oh, my God, you're a girl. Fuck the fuck off. Is that down to continuity in different writers, though? Rather than the character of him. No, I would actually say that's a thing that Ken does. Like, okay. like he will do it in the same scene. It's not as if, like, in book 24, he's like, Amy's my best friend. I go everywhere with Amy. And then in book 26, he's like, I never talk to Amy because she's a girl, even though I really like her. But she's a girl. You know, it does happen in the same book, like where he'll be talking to her at a locker. I mean, I'm just making this up because I can't remember exact scenes, but say he'll be talking to her at, at her locker and then a fleet of boys will go past and he'll suddenly get all self-conscious that he's talking to a girl and they'll think he's in love. So he either says something mean or just walks off or he's a real sort of twat, really. He's very obsessed with what people think of him as we mm. call it back to that basketball book where he was just so worried about how he appeared and being short and all of that stuff. And in that book, remember, um, Liz helped him practice and then it went round school that him and Liz were together and he stopped talking to Liz. So actually... Yeah. I think he is. But also, even if he was perfectly chill with her all the time, I definitely think it's realistic to have her be nervous even after they've had their first kiss. Like, that could still linger for years, even, that kind of twisty butterfly nerves. And just because they've kissed doesn't mean she knows what to say to him, as we observe with literally everyone else in this book. Yeah, true. They can't talk to the boys, and the boys can't talk to the girls, and they can barely talk to each other. It's kind of delightful. Also, I found that really refreshing as someone who went to a same-sex school. I'm like, oh, good. I mean, I know this isn't an accurate portrayal of American mixed-gender uh, mixed schools, at the time I was reading it, but I like to believe that somewhere in America, even if you're around boys and girls all day, you can still be as crap as us who are only around the same gender as ourselves. Oh, dude, this is not that far off from what it was like at that age. <laughs> like, definitely, uh, the whole the bowling alley scene is so great. It's probably my favorite part of the book because it's so realistic that everybody's like, oh, we'll go and we'll see you there and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as you get there, you're off with your friends. Like, that was such a believable thing to me because that's what happened at dances and parties and events out. And the nerves and the back and forth and, you know, slowly breaking away from the group as the night wears on. It just all rang super realistic. That awkward conversation at the locker between Elizabeth and Todd. I've seen hundreds of those in school between different people. It's just, it honestly rang so, so true to my experience at a mixed gender U.S. school. Actually, in our sixth form, even in our sixth form, 
I remember the really popular girl, I'm not going to say her name because, you know, reasons, just in case anyone's listening to this, really popular girl um, hooked up with a guy we had no idea she liked. And then um, at a party, I wasn't there because, like, I was barely there for sixth form and I so wasn't popular and cool enough to go to a popular people party. So she hooked up with him at the party and we were like, well, that's weird. She's always been really mean to him. And then it kind of, the gossip circulated that actually she really liked him. And then at school, she publicly told him to fuck off and she was, he was the worst he, she'd ever had. And then about a day later, they were dating because she secretly loved him and had done since the start of school. And we were just like, fucking hell, you're 18. That's a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I wasn't there for any of it. Right? That's wild. That's a great story. Speaking of great stories, why don't you tell us about your first kisses? Ha. Uh, go on, Raven. <clears throat> okay. Uh, my first kiss, I was... How old was it? My first real kiss. And I'm not talking about a peck on the cheek. I think I was 14. And I was at a party that my friend was throwing. It was also the first time that I got drunk. Um, it was with a girl called Jane. Um, who was going around basically snogging everybody at the party. So I took full advantage of that. It was an absolutely appalling atrocity of a kiss. Uh, yes, it, it still sends cold shivers down my spine. Not in a good way. Sorry, Jane, if you're listening. But I think it was about as about as wonderful for me as it was for her, shall we say. It didn't last very long. It was in the kitchen, in the dark. <laughs> and then she was like, yep, yeah, I wandered off <laughs> to find somebody else to kiss. And I was like, yeah. And that, after it, I was like, yeah, well, that was a thing. Uh, and the, the first time I spoke to it was on this podcast. So there we go. I can't remember the name of the dude that I first kissed. I want to say it's Steve, but I went out with about six Steves, so maybe just being called Steve made you my type in the uh, in the mid-90s. I don't know. So let's just assume he was called Steve. And um, we were sitting outside of my friend's party. My friend was in her 20s and I was 14. This is considered a late bloomer story. Everyone else in, in my school had got kissed at the age of eight or whatever. And we were sitting on a low wall outside the party because my friend had invited me and then thought, I've got 14-year-olds at my party. That's really embarrassing. So she put us all outside. And I basically brought my friend. She brought her friend. And then someone brought three boys. I, I don't really get it, but somehow that happened. And so we all paired off and I was with this guy, Steve, sitting on a low wall and his friends thought it would be hysterical during our first kiss and my first kiss ever to run at us and push us so we fell off this wall. I was wearing a white skirt and I spent the rest of the day covered in green slime because the party was taking pl place in March and there was a pond behind the wall. Nice. Those are both amazing stories. I love them so much. Steve's friends are dicks. <laughs> yes, they are. They really are. What about you, Wing? Was it with Ostrich? I was going to say, Dove wants it to be with Ostrich, but it was, of course, not with Ostrich, because <laughs> we are not those people. <laughs> was it with Cormorant? <laughs> yes, it was with Cormorant. <laughs> That's what I shall call him. My very, very first kiss, not a cheek kiss either, Elizabeth, was in kindergarten on the bus. So I was four or five, and this little boy kissed me. Uh, I think I probably shoved him after. But my first actual kiss was, I was 13 or 14, 12 or 13, somewhere there. I guess it would have been 13, because it was before I met Ostrich. Uh, we, a bunch of us had stuck out late at night, were hanging out. And then before we... Uh, Are you a jaguar? <laughs> yes, I was a jaguar. I told you... <laughs> My life is more jaguar than unicorn. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. No, I was a jaguar. That's better. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, we stopped to look at the stars. How cheesy. Uh, and uh, So I got my first kiss then from Cormorant or whatever you call it. <laughs> 
Very nice. And yours didn't end up in injury, drunken debauchery, or falling no. into a, being pushed into a pond. Like I just want to establish that one out of three. <laughs> it was a very nice kiss. I did kiss him later in life too, so you know it wasn't terrible enough that I avoided him forever. <laughs> well, me and Jane are still friends on Facebook, so nice. So she'll probably hear this. <laughs> There's still hope. Hi, Jane. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Love you, Dove. Oh, is that the verbal equivalent of shoving her off? Of <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. She's covered in metaphorical green slime. Nice. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter. I also have a super embarrassing bowling story to go along with this. Go uh, for it. Bowling is the thing to do. It was when I was a freaking adult, like in mid-20s. Uh, I had this stupid crush on this guy at grad school. And we, a group of us all went bowling, like a big, big group, probably... 40 or 50 people and I never bowled a lot growing up but I'm crap at it uh but I got my first spare ever it was so exciting it was so great <laughs> except not even a strike <laughs> that did you I know right <laughs> did you know that uh when you're playing league rules you're supposed to switch lanes every turn <laughs> Really? Yeah, okay. apparently. And I did not know that. And so I got those beautiful points for the other team. Oh, no. That's bad. And all my new friends. <laughs> yeah, that's going to hurt. Ouch. So, yeah, there you go. That's my embarrassing bowling story I mentioned on Twitter. Was that the guitar player? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. But, you know. I remember lots the about the guitar player. <laughs> is that the guitar player could go for a lot of the people I've dated. That is clearly my type. Uh, men or women. <laughs> Whereas mine are clearly just called Steve, Steve. in some yeah. way. <laughs> I'm actually suddenly remembering that one of my boyfriend's middle names was Steve. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious i'm now gonna go back through my dating history and just see how many steves there are <laughs> <laughs> like i'll list it and figure it out yeah let us know how many or is it just that i have no idea what these people are called i'm like yeah steve steve that'll do yeah, that's that's quite possible it too okay one more thing i'd like to mention about the book that i did enjoy um was a little twist that was put onto it on the jessica borrowinger sister's clothes um, I don't know if you triggered this one when Jessica was looking for an outfit and was like, right, oh, uh, I'm going to have to go and borrow some of Elizabeth's clothes. But hang on a second. I lost this yellow top. She let me a yellow top and I've lost it. So it's not really going to work. Um, I'll start small with something like socks. She just goes <laughs> in and says, uh, hi, uh, can I borrow a pair of socks? And, and Liz is distracted because she's thinking about Todd and trying to work out how to make yourself more attractive to the opposite sex. So she goes, yeah, you can borrow some socks. And Jessica's internal dialogue goes, oh, that was easy. Oh, well, can I borrow a, a blue T-shirt as well? Um, and Elizabeth again, she's like, yeah, that's fine. It's in, it's in the drawer. And then Jessica's like, Elizabeth, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't usually go this well. And I thought that was very, very well done because that was obviously a knowing... Yes. And, and a nod to the fact that she just steals the shoes off her sister's feet and so on. So, beautiful. yeah, that was well done. I did like that. Grapplegate of, they're good at sassy sibling relationships. They did so. their research on this series before they started writing, I think. They were like, right, let's make it Sweet Valley, but done well. Yes, yeah. I like it. Kind of for the first time since Dove has been talking it up. I really think that these are solid, fun books. So I can see why yeah. you're looking forward to stuff. Yeah, because I will say, like, when we started this, I was like, there are so many books that I don't reread or that I skip on my rereads or whenever when I was younger. But this was the the sort of time where I'd be like, no, I'm reading every book from now on. Nice. So it's nice to get to this point because I really did feel like Wing was going to kill me. I am, uh, even the books, the past couple books I didn't like, I have I didn't love they were okay uh I'm still enjoying the reading of it like the series has definitely taken off in a way that I want to read the next book every time so look you've won calm down <laughs> <laughs> yes excellent and then we'll get to a point where I didn't read it as a teen so that's going to be weird that's going to be good I'm looking forward to the bits that you you haven't read because yeah uh, let's see how you 
See how you see how you like it. <laughs> Forcing this stuff on us, yeah. Who could be there with us? Okay, so have we dealt with this book? I think so. I think we I have. Think so. Yeah, I think so. Right, let's move on to Bleak Valley. Anyone got any Bleak Valley thoughts on this? Because I will say it's very hard to make it bleak when it was just so innocent and so lovely. I mean, I think that's it itself. Like, you look at it very high level. This is a happy little thing, story that she's played out for herself. Elizabeth tells herself, Bleak Valley Elizabeth tells herself stories to get through her horrible life. Here's just the sweet one. And it's so sweet and she's so sheltered that she can't even think up a real first kiss. It's a kiss on the cheek. Like that's just the extent of where she can even take it in this fiction she's spinning. So that's all I have for it is that it's just the sweet story that made her happy. Yeah. And also I think last week's Bleak Valley was really quite bleak. It was just, it was horrible. And I think it was a, you know, Liz was, Bleak Liz was really, really sad back then. And she just needed something that wasn't bleeding into the edges of her fantasy. Like she just wanted something with no sort of like callback to her real life. She was like, no, right, okay. I'm going to get a boyfriend and Jessica's going to get a boyfriend and we're both going to like the same boy, but it's going to work out fine because literally nothing is going wrong in this, in this particular fantasy. Everything's going to work out fine. And, you know, Jessica's not even going to be piqued that, that I like Todd because Jessica's actually realized she likes that boy. I came up with ages ago when we were doing that bullying thing. Okay. I like that. But, of course, Raven's got that look on his face like, I am going to rip out your soul and wear it as a fascinator. Awesome. Here we go. Come on, Raven, break our hearts. One bleak idea that I thought is that I take your point that this is all this is all going to work out. This is a nice story where everything is going to be happy. And that's not something that we tend to do with Bleak Valley. The only way I can sort of justify that in the Bleak Valley frame is if she's using it as this story that she's come up with where everyone gets a boyfriend and we're learning how to be with boys and, and, and talk to boys and the advice that they're given is bad, but some of it's good and uh, it's all very confusing is because it's to wash out the fact that her first kiss was actually Ned. <sighs> Didn't we at one point say we were not going to go there? This is two weeks in a row we've tried to go there. Congratulations, Raven. We don't have to go there. We can cut <laughs> this bit out if you like. No, it's fine. I mean, yes, I definitely think that whatever has happened is terrible enough that uh, she's either laid up. I was kind of thinking that she's been punished in a way that she's been beat up and so she can't even get out of bed. So that's why she gets this nice quiet moment. But yes, it could have been a terrible first kiss from Ned or from the step sibling. The step siblings more to be honest, I don't like the fact I don't think that there's any impropriety there with Ned, to be honest, in the Bleak Valley thing. I I, I think he's just a drunkard, maybe on drugs, neglectful, violent, but nothing yeah, I don't. Yeah. Bleed. To be honest, I mean, this is probably my own issues bleeding into it, but I I rarely see Ned as having any interaction with her at all, mm, which is I why agree. in Sweet Valley, yeah. Ned only is ever present for one scene, and in some books, that scene is just there to convey how busy he is and how not here he's going to be for the rest of the book. That's yeah. true. Um, so I see Ned as barely present and yeah. occasionally which is bleak in itself well, yeah, very yeah. Bleak in yeah. itself. 
you know, occasionally there are books where, like Jessica and the Money Mix-Up, where he's in a right strop because things are going wrong at work. And that you can see is like, oh, maybe he does have a job and he was laid off this week and, you know, he's looking for a new job. But for the most part, I see him as not there. And as Alice being the disciplinarian and... Right. Is that the right word? Mm. It is, yeah. You know, and she's always present. She's quite often drunk. She's lying on the sofa. I get the feeling that she watches a lot of Oprah and Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer. Soap yeah. And I also see that Bleak Liz has her bedroom in the cupboard under the stairs or some little nook. And bits of it float in. So that's where you get the silly advice, which, you know, like, oh, back your lashes to get a boy to like you or something and it's coming from like soap operas and girls bleak liz's own age all talking about what they think boys like and things like that and you know and it's just floating in and with wing saying she's laid up maybe given the last book she's just in bed with cramps as well and like oh that's fair yeah the cramps have had an effect on her ability to cook dinner or whatever they make her do because let's face it the sweet twins do a lot of cooking for dinner so we can only imagine how much bleak liz has to do and that's true it's maybe impacted her and they've just like twatted her one and now she really is laid up the other thing that i think could have kicked off the kind of romance side of things is that she saw something she wasn't supposed to i mean if bleak ned is gone all the time as we've kind of just like in Sweet Valley Dead, we think that's likely, as Deb was just saying. It's quite possible that Bleak Alice is bringing people home and Elizabeth's supposed to keep herself scarce when she does and yet saw something that now she's got to like find this nice thing to think about instead. That would explain why Stephen's got two girlfriends. Ooh, one that he good. doesn't want to keep and one that he does. Another way you could explain that is um, slightly different is the step-sibling could have a girlfriend and oh and maybe um in having a girlfriend he's he's being a little not necessarily nicer to bleak elizabeth but not as bad if you know not as nasty because mm-hmm. he's having more interaction with girls and maybe even bleak elizabeth is because she doesn't get she doesn't see anyone is is and uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Maybe she's having feelings for the step sibling in a weird way because she's confused. Oh yeah, because she's re- repressed, you know, and stunted almost emotionally stunted. So that could explain why her dual personality is like I can't fancy this guy because he's my brother or he's my step sibling mm-hmm. in real life, and that's why Ble- uh, Sweet Valley Elizabeth can't fancy Todd because her sister fancies him and stuff like that. Nice, I like that, and it also explains why. Sweet Valley Stephen is so obsessed with Jessica. Hmm. That's true. Okay, so not bleak, then very bleak, then slightly bleak. So we've Good done God. the bleak roller coaster. Yeah. There, yeah, well done, well done, everybody. Indeed. <laughs> and also, with the step sibling being less abrasive under the influence of love, it sort of gives her that that idea that romance can solve everything. That sort of because. Lots of girls tend to feel that way because of all the media that throws it down our throat. Like, you know, romance is necessary if you're a girl. And then she sees it in action. She's like, oh, yeah, maybe my sweet Valley counterparts do need boyfriends because, you know, that that's a thing that normal people do. And it, and it fixes, it fixes things. things. Yeah. 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 I like yeah. that. Nice. So there's Bleak Valley for another week. Should we move on to rate this book? Indeed. Okay. Uh, the categories that we have for our ratings, as all our listeners are, I am sure are aware, are uh, from the best to the worst. Stupendous. Good. Meh. Bad. And kill it with fire. And each of them have hand gestures, if you, if you weren't aware. Uh, I personally would rate this book as a very high good. I wouldn't quite go to stupendous on this, although it is knocking on the door for me. The thing that I think lets it down slightly is the fact that the first kiss wasn't a real first kiss for me. 
all it would have taken is a little peck on the lips, and I think this book would have then been stupendous because everything else I loved. I loved I loved Jessica, I loved Elizabeth, I loved all the peripheral characters, I loved the boys being crapper, asking the girls for dates, I loved the girls going over the top with the reading things into the boy the, what the boys were doing in order to woo them. Um uh, the, the writing was sassy, the dialogue was great, the sibling interaction was good, even the advice from the parents was nice. Overall, very high good, one of the best books I've read for a while. I agree with everything he said there. It's knocking on stupendous for me too. I think for me, if it had had that kiss, I probably still wouldn't have put it up to stupendous just because I'm trying to hold, I don't want to go too high too soon, especially because I know I have the carnival ghost coming up, but also uh, because Dove has promised me at some point there will be werewolves and I am holding out for the damn werewolves. But that's not until Sweet Valley High, I think. That's okay. I can hold it. Yeah, out. but you've seen our schedule. It's, it's years away, like <laughs> decades. I'm strong. Okay. Well, I agree with pretty much everything you've both said. Um, but for me, the reason it doesn't quite get stupendous is because there is a book coming up that falls squarely into that category for me. And this, while great and very close to it, just doesn't quite have that same oomph that like puts it into stupendous like if it was just the word stupendous maybe it would get there but to get the hand gestures as well it just needed something a bit more um so it's a it's a really high good i mean it's trying its best to bust through the ceiling but it's just not quite getting there if i hadn't read anything that was coming it would get it i have so unfortunately it grading on a bell curve man cruel <laughs> it happens i do think it's probably the my favorite of the sweet ballets i've read so far which is obviously up to this one even as much as i loved uh jessica on stage and jessica the Rockstar, i think this has topped it it's just ridiculous amounts of fun i did not expect that and i was just delighted to read it earlier yeah i think it's in my top three i think the older boy still pips it for me because that was great and of course um the jumping to conclusions, yeah, which was also so absolutely wonderful. Um, but it, it, it's, um, if I was listing the books that I love of this series, then this would be in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you guys like uh, liked this book because I've been, I've been saying for ages, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. And then every time we get to, like when we got to the start of Grapplegate and you guys were like, well, we've hit Grapplegate and I'm still not feeling it. I'm like... Let them find their feet. Let them tell the editors to fuck <laughs> off. Just give them a little bit more time. And it just felt like I was just going, yes, you can have it next week, the week after. December. Yeah, it felt like 2018. Yeah. I mean, this is why you started that long list at the end of 2017 when I did it. We did our year in review because you're just trying to distract us to keep pushing it exactly. out. Exactly. But now we've hit it. And I think you guys can at least go, okay. Dove had a small point, so no, no, it was a very, very good book. At least for this one book, you were completely right. Way awesome! To go. I'm, I'm glad. I feel good about that because I do feel like it's been a long slog to get here, especially Wing, who's not felt quite a few of the books. That's true. Well, marvelous. Well, it can only go downhill from here. <laughs> awesome! Thank you. So that. yes, well done, Team Grapplegate. Well done, Jamie Suzanne. Well done, the writers of Sweet Valley. It was a very, very good book, and it was on the run of a number of decent books because I think the last awesome. three have been good yeah, in various in various yeah. um, various ranks of good, if you like. So yeah, solid, solid work yeah, all round. Agreed. I think this one's been the best of those three because these three do seem tied together, don't they? It's like. We yeah, want they, to be they, grown they up do, enough to do. go to a party. Well, we've got our periods, we're grown up, no, we're not. And now it's like, but we're kissing boys. They make sense together. I Agreed. agree. That's Agreed. a good way to put it. And on that note, I guess we should wrap up. So uh, thank Indeed. you for listening, listeners. Uh, join us next time. Uh, we'll be discussing another great book, we hope. Uh, <laughs> until then, goodbye for now. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to Sweet Valley Online Podcast for book number 43, Elizabeth's First Kiss, recorded on the 28th of January 2018. You can access all our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of the nostalgicbookshelf.com network. 
Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or Tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all your very own musical needs. We can be found on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore for Dove, Devil's Elbow Pod for Wing, and Bookshelf underscore Raven for Raven. That's me, Raven. Next week, we'll be talking about Sweet Valley Twins Super Chiller number three, The Carnival Ghost. Be sure to join us on the 30th of March. Until then, may all your kisses be like your very first. Ew.